you ever get this feeling you want to just kind of bug out and disappear away from all the craziness of this world? This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. I wouldn't blame you for one second if you watch the news, read the news, just observe things in certain parts of the country. I wouldn't blame some people for wanting to escape and get away and go to a place where people are normal where they're not yelling at you in the stores put on your face mask because you're going to kill somebody a lot of people are just getting tired of all of this and some people are beginning to recognize that we're being worn out we're being worn down our humanness our community is being just shattered and destroyed And for what? I mean, for what purpose are we doing all this self-destruction? The governors and, and leaders and mayors that make all these decisions to shut down a business. You gotta remember, they're still getting their paycheck. They're suffering nothing. They're losing nothing. They still have their health insurance. They still have their retirement fund being funded. Their paycheck comes on a regular clock-like basis. They might even have a paid automobile because that's part of their job. But the person that owns the restaurant, the person that owned a nail salon, the person that owns one of many different types of businesses, You got told to shut down. You can't function. And we all did this back last year when the word came out, let's have 15 days to flatten the curve and to help offset some of the loss, we're going to send everybody a check for $1,200. That means a couple got $2,400. And hopefully that would take the sting off the two-week pause. I mean, that would, face it, that's what it was for. But the two weeks became four, became eight, became 16, became 50 in some places. And we've had this totally strange fear descend upon America. For a virus, you have to test to know you have it. And for a vaccine that is increasingly, as I mentioned yesterday, giving people pause for concern. Does it really work? Is there a long-term effect? We're, We're coming into some uncharted waters here. There have been things stated, does it, does it affect the ability for, uh, for young couples to have children? I mean, that this has been a, a legitimate question raised now. You say something like that on Facebook, and they may just say fake news and and just tear it down. Cut it off. And Twitter, of course, would be the worst offender. They're they're now absolutely uh, run by the Gestapo, the, the thought police Gestapo. If they don't like what you say, they make you a non-entity and a non-person, and they just cut you off. The idea of having discussion... Even if maybe what you're thinking is not perfectly correct, the idea of discussing it 
and sharing. Oh, that's over. It's now only the permitted narrative that we can discuss. And to me, that's frightening that we've come to that point in our society that we are are scared to death about what people think and say. We have moved from a free exchange of ideas. And look, there are a lot of people that say a lot of things that I think are pretty nutty. And, and I would disagree. But I also have learned in life that most people that say pretty nutty and stupid things, they end up getting revealed anyway. And so I don't worry too much about certain things that I read and hear and see. Because I also know, I also know this. There's some people that feed on that. They like to think that they know something the world doesn't know. I get a lot of mail of late. A lot of new listeners and a lot of ones that have been around for a long time. And and a lot of people try to share some things. Some, some, of, some of the material you send me is worth my study. I, I'm not going to just read what you told me because my responsibility in doing this kind of a radio show is to make sure that what you're saying or what you're sharing comes from something that I can verify and have a confidence level. Anybody can publish anything on the internet or in a newsletter. And I get a lot of material that people will send me and I'm looking, I'm going, this can't be right. You start tearing into it a little bit, you realize it is, it's totally false. And a lot of good, well-meaning Christian people are buying, they're buying a false narrative. Because it's kind of what they want to believe or think they believe or or think they need to know something you didn't know. There are a lot of people that try to sell you their books and DVDs. And I have nothing against people writing books and having DVDs. I have nothing against it in particular. It's something that I just don't feel led of myself to do. Whatever I'm doing here, there's not a price tag. If you're willing to help support the ministry to keep it on shortwave, that's great. But there's not a price of admission per se. You don't have to pay a certain amount per month to get past a paywall. I don't have a paywall. I just do what St. Paul said. Make the needs known unto the churches, unto God's people, and then move on. So I do that during the program a couple of times, make the need known, and then get back to the business of what we're doing here. I see a lot of great material that come in. And I want to make sure that everything that I share with you has a level of integrity and validity so I there's a level of confidence that I'm not steering you astray. You know, I, I took a big gamble back in May when I when I got on what was then your weekend show and I I made the statement that everybody you know all the people like the Facebooks and the Twitters and the Yahoo Newses and MSN News and NBC ABC CBS were calling a totally false narrative so is Dr. Fauci absolutely fake news it's false you can't believe it when I said this virus never came out of a wet market It wasn't something that came out of the wild. It wasn't a transmission from bat to human at a wet market in Wuhan, China. 
And I made the statement then that there are too many similarities of this virus to the SARS-CoV-2003-2004 that also came out of China. But there were a few things about this virus that some researchers, this is back when I was doing emergency management work, were making little statements that I'm picking up on that, you know, uh, we, we wonder, could this thing have a gain of function? In other words, has, has this been played with in any shape, manner, or form to add a protein or protein spike? And a lot of people said, you know, this is just something that they were having a hard time accepting thoroughly occurred in the wild. Then you find out that, that the National Institute you know, the one of infectious diseases and and viruses and and what have you, run by Dr. Anthony Fauci, the highest paid employee in the United States federal government. If you didn't know that, you better know it. He is the highest paid employee, has a lot of power, has been in the federal government for decades. I mean, he was was going to, he promised a vaccine to get rid of AIDS back in the 80s. It hasn't happened yet. Mr. will have a vaccine for everything. That Fauci. We find out that there was a time he was a big believer in gain-of-function research on viruses. And then we create a vaccine for it. Now, in, in 2014, as we mentioned earlier this week, the United States government said, we're not going to do that. It's inherently a wrong thing to do. So no more gain-of-function research here in the United States, okay? So what does Dr. Fauci do? Well, we just zip up the virus and our research and send it off to China. And that's what happened. As I've said multiple times over the last few weeks, whether this virus got out of that lab in Wuhan by accident or by design, that I cannot tell you because I don't know. I have no information one way or the other. All I can tell you is that I was thoroughly content with the research And the material that was, you know, it was available to those in emergency management if you dug deep enough. But it went against the mainstream narrative of the wet market, you know, scenario that it got out. Oh, we got to be afraid these viruses in the wild, you know, they're going to come up every year and do this to us. And then you have some saying, not so fast. It may not be something from the wild. may have been something out of a, a laboratory. And finally now, you know, months later, you're beginning to hear from generally mainstream type or close to mainstream sources, and they're doing the research, and they're coming up with the facts, and it's backing up what I was saying back in May, that we're dealing with something that did not happen in the wild. And we're still dealing with a lot of misinformation. And I'm sure that it wears you out after a while. One of the things that this pandemic has done in a positive thing, let me say that again, 
in a positive thing. It is causing a number of people that are believers in Jesus Christ to reassess what it is they're doing and how and where. It's causing some people to look carefully at their relationship with God. It's giving them a little taste of what it might be like to be under adverse conditions and persecution because you just, in some places, you went to church back in February and March and all of a sudden they told you you have to shut down or you got to wear face mask and gloves and goggles and and can't get near each other. You can't even sit in a car with the windows up in a parking lot of a church without being fined or threatened. You had your first taste, your first taste of what the early Christians went through on a daily basis. And not only were they threatened with being fined or having to you know, lose some money, they were threatened with losing their life for their faith. And many did. Many did. Things we need to be careful about in understanding how things will play out in this world is to not read too much into our circumstance. You know, Jesus spent a lot of time with his disciples telling them about the seasons, and you'll kind of get a feel for how things are changing. And one thing we really need to come and get a grasp on, and I'm trying to help you with this as much as I can, because we need to start getting into community as Christians, and I'm going to be talking a lot about that today. The Lord has just laid that on my heart of late, and something that my wife and I looked at yesterday, we're really praying about, trying to, well, discernment. We're trying to find out, what, what Lord, what do you want us to do with what we just saw? Is this an opportunity or, or a diversion? And so we, we've got to go through a little process here, and I'll be telling you more about it as we get toward the weekend. There, there is no doubt, there's no doubt that the United States is on a collision course with God's judgment. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. There is no doubt that the world is getting smaller. No doubt. There's no doubt that we are coming to a time of very intense turbulence and tribulation. No doubt. Is this going to be the great tribulation? Some people say yes. Some people say no. I, for one, am not going to to come out and emphatically tell you that this is. But regardless... Regardless, you need to be prepared. You need to be in fellowship. You need to be close to your Lord. You can't be a part-time member of the faith. You cannot be of this world and, you know, kind of a Christian maybe someday or when I get to heaven. That doesn't work that way. Some people look at it, and I had someone write me, please read, and I'm very familiar with 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and, and, and the great falling away. 
you know, there always is going to be a falling away. I can show you country after country, nation after nation over the last 2,000 years that has been shaken and has had falling away and has been dealt with harshly by God. Was it the Great Tribulation? I've said this a hundred times. If you lived in Poland in 1939 and the blitzkrieg came into your nation you would think this must be the great tribulation if you lived in london in 1940 and 41 with bombs raining down upon your head and then the v-15 rockets you might think this is the great tribulation outside of our civil war where a half a million people died. The United States has never really endured a great tribulation. We've had we have the stock market crash of 1929 and we we have this terrible period of depression and farms going bust back in the 30s, the dust bowl. I mean, you had people living in places like Oklahoma that prior to the combination of the Dust Bowl and Great Depression, guess what? They they were living their lives. And suddenly they couldn't eat. And the banks foreclosed their homes. And they, they had to pick up what little they had. And many moved farther west for better opportunity. They lost it all. And, and I don't think the average American today, prior to this pandemic could even begin to understand what it means to lose everything. A lot more people understand it today. And I think a lot of people are beginning to think in terms of of community. Look, we're coming into a time. We're coming into a time. We're going to be we're going to be shaken in mind, body, spirit. I mean, we're we're going to be we're going to be feeling something. I understand whether this is the great tribulation or like we have seen since the time of Christ, some really turbulent times. World War II, World War I, they were turbulent. The Black Death that took a third of the people in Europe. I mean, I can go down the list. People back then claimed this is the great tribulation. And yes, people had fallen away and were cursing God. Look, I'm, I'm going to share this from 2 Thessalonians, and I want you to understand whether this is or is not the Great Tribulation is irrelevant. It very well may be. But how we respond and the things we're supposed to do in Christ don't change. You know, we, we don't say, oh, this is not the Great Tribulation, so I don't really have to do the work. Here's what St. Paul writes to the church in Thessalonica. He said, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by the gathering together unto him. By our gathering together unto him. We as Christians have got a fellowship. We, we've been broken apart because of the virus and people don't worship. They didn't go to church. The writer of Hebrews says, Forsaking not the assembling of thyselves, as is a matter of some, but even so, the more as you see the day approaching. We need to remember 
There is something important about community, and Satan will want to rip you out of your community. It becomes it becomes where the, the gathering together of Christ's people, the power of the Holy Spirit, wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am amongst you. You know that. Let no man deceive you, verse 3. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there be a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. Now, before you think this is a, you know, we are looking for the one-time great tribulation event, we are, but John also reminded us that the spirit of Antichrist is already in the world. This is back in the time right after, this is back at the beginning of the church age. The spirit of Antichrist is already here. It's not just something to come. We're fighting it now. And this man of sin, who opposed and exalted himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he, as God, sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Remember ye not that when I was with you, I told you these things. This is St. Paul. When I was there last, I told you this stuff. And now ye know that with withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Also he who now letteth will until he be taken out of the way. And when he shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders, with all deceivableness and unrighteousness in them that perish, because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. Now, I want you to catch that. For this cause, God shall send them a strong delusion that they should believe a lie. That's what's happening in our world today. This also happens across history when you look back. Anytime God has got judgment on his people, those that disobeyed, those that have fallen away, those that have mocked him, God shall not be mocked. He, you, you just don't do that. I can remember, was it 2012? I want to think 2012, eight years ago, Democrat National Convention, somebody wanted to say something about God, and they booed the name of God at a political convention. I'd never seen that before. Then three years later, 2015, we are suddenly with this Supreme Court allowing homosexual marriage in the United States. Now, if I talk against that on Facebook or Twitter, man, I'm going to be shut down. I'm just not woke enough. I I am not, I'm one of those Bible-thumping, Christian, dangerous, you know, people that are planning insurrections. That's what I'm going to be called because I'm not buying into the sin. I am not, look, many church bodies have fallen away really bad where they now embrace sin instead of preaching against it. They've just accepted it. 
And as it says in Revelation, their lampstand is gone. The Spirit of God is no longer in some of these big churches. You know it and I know it. Strong delusion that they believe a lie. Think about how many lies we're being led to believe and how many people, you know, want to believe a lie. I remember the song, I, I think I mentioned the title the other day. You know, Rod Stewart, if I listen long enough to you, I'll find a way to believe that it's all true, knowing that you lied. In other words, looking for a reason to believe these lies. They, they want to believe them. That they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. That, that describes today. That also describes many other times in human history. And God is not slow to his judgment. One of the things about the United States, even with the many in this country that were non-believers, there were sufficient number of believers to be salt and light in this earth. I think that goes without saying what is salt and what is light. In ancient times, people understood that concept. Salt is a preservative. Things can be made to last longer with salt. But when that salt loses its savor, if it's no longer doing the work of salt, you throw it on the ground and it becomes something put under your feet. And we as Christians are to be a light in a dark world. The whole purpose of this radio program is to shine the light of truth in an increasingly darkening world. I... I I live and prepare like this could very well be the great tribulation. I really do. It very well could be. But if it isn't, if it's just a time of extreme persecution, look, go back a thousand years, go back fifteen hundred years, go back two thousand years. People that were being rounded up and taken to the Colosseum in Rome to have them ripped apart by wild beasts, that is a bit of tribulation, wouldn't you not think? And for Americans to think that we are the center of God's universe and Scripture is also a little bit arrogant. You know, I was asked to read, read verses 1 through 12. Okay, I did. The great falling away. I, And that's a continual process. Trust me, this is just human nature. But what happens in the verses beyond? But we are bound. This is what St. Paul says to the believer. And this is where I think we need to really start rethinking. We are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through the sanctification of the spirit and belief of the truth. Whereunto he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, Now, I want you to catch this because we're going to be talking about this a little bit more in in a couple of minutes. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold to the traditions which ye have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. Hmm. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold to the traditions which ye have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. Now, our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, which hath loved us and given us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good work, word and work. Think about that for a second. 
You know, let's let's not just stop at the oh, it's the end of the world. It's the great tribulation, and and the man and the antichrist is going to appear, and the rapture is going to come. There is no rapture. Let's get that straight right now. You can argue all day long, but I'm going to tell you, the church never believed in the doctrine of the rapture ever until Finney came along in 1830 and pieced this together something the church never bought, believed, ever, ever, not even at the time of the apostles. It was never taught. The early writings of the church, a tremendous amount of writings and back-and-forth letters, including St. Paul and others, still exist. This doctrine of the rapture makes Christians absolutely self-centered and lazy. You want to know why? Because we never have to fear or be prepared. So we are going to be, if you if you are banking on the rapture, so when the man of perdition is revealed, that you're getting a get-out-of-tribulation card, then please explain to me what it means in Revelation. Who are those souls underneath the altar that are in white raiment? They're the ones that came through the Great Tribulation. Satan would have you believe a lie and be unprepared. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are the what the church really believed? I'm going to tell you this. You know, everyone thinks the rapture is like, oh, the believers are taken out and everything is fine. The early church believed those that were taken out are the ones to be judged kind of a backward version of a, of a rapture, so to speak. I understand a lot of people believe in it. And there was a time I did. But the more I got deeper into God's Word, the more I recognized that this is a, a doctrine that's going to be dangerous to the church. It, it, may, it makes church really wonderful. We get to, you know, up until the pandemic, you know, we come to our church, we enjoy our hymns and dinners on the ground, and we just get all, we get along great, sing the old hymns, and, and when things get bad, we're going to be taken out and we don't have a thing to fear. Well, if that was the case, why did Jesus always talk? Why did St. Paul, why did St. John, why did Peter, why did the writers of the, of the epistles and the early church the early Christians write about being prepared for times of tribulation. If if we're not going to be there, why prepare? You know, if we're not going to be in a tribulation, what are we preparing for? Am I making any sense? Am I getting through? And see, when I get back after the break, I really want to talk about something that you need to be thinking about. We just went through, and we still are going through, this pandemic here in the Western world in the United States. And how many churches? I believe about one in five or one in six churches will end up closing their doors for good because of this. They'll never survive. If they come back at all, they'll be so in debt with with less people, they're not going to survive. And many people are living in parts of the world where they, they don't need to be chasing the dollar chasing you know chasing a career they're they're forgetting we're in this world but not of this world 
God may call you to pick up and leave, and he'll provide a way to do it. I'm not saying everybody will. Some, you're already where you need to be. You're about to find out how and why. Why, What's God's purpose? Yesterday, my wife and I were looking at something, and I'm really praying about community. What does it mean to have community? Like the early Christians did. I really believe that God is going to, as he's done before, he provides you those places and ways. Well, some people lose their business because of their faith, yeah. Well, some lose everything they own, yeah. I mean, look, you already have banks that are saying to people, you know, we don't like your kind. You're conservative. You know, you you supported Trump or something. And then before you know it, it'll be, oh, you're one of those kind of Christians that 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 think that uh, gay or, you know, two men getting married is bad. And so if you think that, we don't want your bank account with us anymore. So we'll send you your money in a few weeks. There's going to be social credits coming, friend. And if you think the rapture is going to get you out of it, you better be rethinking your plan. I say this not to, I'm not saying this to be condescending to those that believe in it, but don't count on it. I did for a long time, and the more I read God's word, the more I'm saying, so why all these warnings and why all this preparing if we don't have to prepare? There's my issue. I'm going to come back in a few minutes and just kind of share some of the things that God was putting on my heart and life as a young guy in in high school and what have you that that I didn't realize then what I now understand. You know, we see through a glass dimly. But you know, as God reveals himself and opens the doors, it begins to make a lot more sense. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Beerman. Little prayers and big wallets. Coming up. Shalom Aleichem. This is the nice Jewish boy, Jonathan Kahn, your Jewish connection, bringing you the riches of your Jewish roots in Jesus. Now get your pen out as fast as you can so you don't miss out on receiving a special free gift you're going to get and love in a moment. Now John Rice once wrote that his six daughters would sometimes gather around him and tell him all their needs. Their need for shoes, money for music lessons, and all sorts of other things. Sometimes he'd feel compelled to say, go easy girls, I'm not made of money. We'll just have to get what we can afford and we'll go without the rest. But you know, you never read in the Bible a verse that says, go easy. God never says, go easy. I don't have that much to give. I've already been pushed to the limit giving to others. I've spent most of my savings answering the prayers of other people. So give me a break. Limit your prayer request to just one item. Make it small. Go easy. No, you'll never find anything like that in God's word. God never tells you to be humble about your prayer request. He tells you, ask what you will. You see, it's not humble to limit your prayer request. It's not humble to ask for little or nothing. To ask for little or nothing is to say either you don't trust him, you don't really believe he's got the stuff, you don't really believe his love or grace, or or you don't really need his help. See, to be humble in your prayer request isn't humble. It's actually a sin of doubt and self-sufficiency. God never says, go easy. He says instead, go all out. Go for the highest. Seek the best. Seek and you shall find. Ask and it shall be given you. Knock and the door shall be open. Don't commit the sin of little prayer requests. Lay all your needs at his feet with faith and confidence in his riches and love. Because prayer and the love of God are two things with which you can't afford to go easy. 
Here's something for you. You'll be blessed with the mystery hidden for 2,000 years in the sands of Israel, better than Raiders of the Lost Ark, and it's real. The mystery of the temple doors, you'll love it, and sapphires, your daily spiritual vitamin supply for a victorious life in God. How do you get these gifts? It's all free, and it's so easy. Just remember Jesus' Hebrew name, Yeshua, and dial it. That's all you do. Just dial 1-800-YESHUA-1. You'll be so blessed, but call now, 1-800-YESHUA-1. Now I invite you to minister with me and bring the good news back to the people who gave it to you, Israel and the unreached peoples of every tribe and tongue on five continents. You'll be so blessed, but call now, 1-800-YESHUA-1. That's Y-E-S-H-U-A-1. Or write me direct, the nice Jewish boy at box 1111 Lodi. New Jersey, 07644. That's the nice Jewish boy at box 1111, Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 07644. Well, till next time, this is Jonathan Khan saying, Shalom Aleichem, peace be to you, my friend, in Messiah, Ravinu, our teacher. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And I want to welcome you back to part two of the Wednesday edition of Truth to Ponder. I'm so glad you're spending some time with me. I know for some, some of the things I said in the first section, if you're still with me and didn't turn your radio off or or cancel your subscription, your free subscription to the podcast, and you're still with me, I needed to say what I had to say. Because I just don't want Christians, I don't want Christians to be unprepared. Look at what happened with the pandemic. We were unprepared. So many churches that, well, we never thought we'd ever have a time we couldn't meet. And it happened. And depending where you lived, it was worse than other places, but it was pretty bad all over. And it still is in many places. I'm afraid many churches will never come back. Some, I hope, don't, but that's another story for another day. The word community and God's people is becoming really strong in my heart and my mind. It has been for quite a long time. And doing something unexpected. You know, God uses the unexpected things or, you know, we go do something. And how many times have you made a little decision that affected your entire life? I can think of many that God has used, but God is trying to get his people prepared. Now that we kind of understand from this virus that uh, maybe we weren't as prepared as we thought we were. And, and and preparing is not is not going and buying, you know, these 25 year uh, packages of freeze dried food to to bury away and just add water for your macaroni and cheese and whatever that that that's not exactly preparing you know don't lay up yourself treasures on this earth so much i know too many people that think yep here's what i'm gonna do i'm gonna buy up all that you know meals ready to eat enough for the tribulation and i'm gonna bury it down there in the basement 
I got news for you. If you're trying to live isolated in your house, thinking that no one's going to notice that you're eating, it's not the way it's going to be. You know, early Christians, even if they lived in their own homes, they gathered together as community. They worked with each other. They took care of each other's needs. Good friend of mine comes out of a different church background than myself, but he's been feeling this for a number of years, and his whole ministry is like preparing the church to go back, if necessary, to even the catacombs like they did in Rome. And believe me, well, Bob, this is the United States. We got freedom of religion. We've got the First Amendment. It's already under assault. What are you talking about? Freedom of speech. It will be eroded. All of your rights will be eroded in the name of a virus if needed or anything else or insurrection or whatever they whatever term they want to use. The only way we're going to get through this time ahead is beginning to understand why why the writer of Hebrews made it so clear. I mean incredibly clear. Forsaking not the assembling of thyselves together, which is the manner of some, but even more. In other words, you got to be together more as you see hard times and difficult times approaching. This could very well be the Great Tribulation. Then again, maybe it isn't. I'm not going to say, but regardless, why would you not want to be prepared? If if your NOAA weather radio goes off and says there is a tornado watch, do you just ignore it? If it's beeping and going tornado warning, well, I don't know where it is, but I'm I'm not going to worry about it. That's being a fool. Preparation. The Bible teaches it over and over again to be prepared. The wise man builds his house upon the rock, not on the sand. Being prepared is not being selfish, not being, you know, storing up things for myself. It's working together to store up for the community, whether we're living in different homes or even in shared little towns that we develop. Who knows where God's going to lead us? I don't know, but I have this strong feeling that there are going to be these little oases and sanctuaries in this land that's going to be increasingly secular and increasingly satanic. Our leadership has fallen away. Our voters, many have fallen away. Those that we trusted steal elections if they need to, to keep their power base going. They've made it clear they want to fundamentally transform America and get rid of the Bible thumpers, Bible believers. You know, I'm thinking back. I look now going back, uh, what, 40-some-odd years ago now, more like closer to 50. Yeah, closer to 50 years. And as a young guy aspiring someday to be a disc jockey, I remember I listened to a lot of music. And I, got, I would get tired of the regular top 40 stuff because I was just inundated with it you know, because of what I was doing, and that was my life at that time. And I had several record albums that I just kind of gravitated toward that I really liked. 
And there was one that I, I heard the song somewhere, and I decided to get the record album. And it's Paul Stuckey, who was in the group Peter, Paul, and Mary. He gave his life to Christ. has a wonderful testimony. And, and one time I had an album on. It was just one of those evenings, you know, homework is done, getting near bedtime. I'm laying in my bed. I have a pair of, you know, little headphones on plugged into my little record player. Yeah, I made a plug for my headphones. And, and I heard this song, and it just caught me. And, and I listened to the words, and I've listened to the words over and over again during that time. You know, in the 60s, we had apocalyptic-type songs like, you know, Eve of Destruction. I mentioned that the other day. I'll talk about that again maybe later this week and tomorrow. But, you know, we had all this music talking about the hard times and difficult times to come, and a lot of it made no sense. And then we had these prophets of God out there with their with their books. And I don't know what they were pushing back then, but they had their books. The late great planet Earth, you know, everything's all figured out. This is the great tribulation coming and the rapture will occur in, 90, in, in 1988. And it went on and on. And all of it, all of it was a bunch of uh, baloney. It didn't happen. I was looking the other day, someone said, look at this. Remember this back from, you know, end of November? Somebody really excited that he looked at this prophecy that a guy had put out a few years before that God, you know, made the United States the center of the scripture and and God will preserve and do this out of the other. And, and he was trying to say that, and this prophet said that, you know, Donald J. Trump is going to be the president twice. And, you know, well, obviously that didn't happen, but... We have so many people that are being led to and fro, and they catch every wind of some kind of prophet. When the Word of God is all you need, to, really, Word of God tells us, be prepared. I'm ready for the great tribulation if it should come. Not that I'm, I got all this stuff banked away and, and you know, put away, but I'm listening to the voice of God as he says, hey, you know, you got a little bit of a warning here. Start looking at this, this, and this, and you do. It's called obedience. I've got a lot of friends that are beginning to change their addresses around the country, or they're beginning to, well, shall we say, uh, dig their heels in where they're at and be prepared. Wherever God leads you, and he'll provide a way. You don't worry about that part. That's God's part of the equation. And I'm sure I'll share this song, you know, because I know that with the Wednesday broadcast, one of the later night airings that has a lot of listeners we don't have on Wednesday night. I wish I had another frequency to get out there, you know, at night and reach the West better. Um, we just do the best that we can. And uh, a lot of people are still listening by podcast. But with that said, this one song by Paul Stuckey has always stood out. And, and while it looks toward 1984 as kind of like, ooh, when the bad times start to hit, which a lot of people believe because of the book 1984, which really, you know, we're, we're 37 years late, but welcome to 1984. We've we finally arrived there. But when I listen to this word, I want you to listen carefully to the lyrics and see if you can understand what I mean by being ready in a different place for the time that God has called you. John Henry Bosworth, late in 68, decided that the time had come to settle his estate. The riot 
summer We're creeping in the falls We packed his family in the car
Can you see why that song reached an impressionable person like myself who who at that time in his life had been coming into a deeper relationship with the Lord? It was a time of many changes in my life. I, I really had come to to make my Lord number one. I wanted to serve him. I went to and spent a lot of time at a, at a couple of Bible camps that summer, worked at one. It was a life-changing time for me. Now, did I always live up to the expectations of what I should have been? No, I, I've, I'm, I'm like St. Paul uh, makes it clear, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And as St. Paul says, you do the things you don't want to do, and then you don't do the things you know you should do. It's a process, and it's not an easy one. And when we hit these difficult times and we're no longer in fellowship one with another, it makes it even harder when we feel like an island out there by ourselves, almost like a, a solitary confinement of Christians, in essence. And, and one of the things the pandemic has taught me, and I felt this last year, there was something that seemed uh, sinister about the way churches were being treated a little bit differently by some mayors and governors. Lori Lightfoot, up in Chicago, is a classic example. She heard that this one church, they may have a few people coming to gather. So she told the police and everybody to get the vehicles out there and tow every car parked on that street. And we're going to impound them because we don't want that group worshiping. It turned out that none of the cars that were towed had anything to do with the church. But she was so determined to make their life miserable. And she was just being spiteful. This had nothing to do with saving lives, but everything in exercising evil power. And that's what it was in her case and still is to this day. She is an evil-hearted person. She is, period. She lies. She considers herself royalty. Yes, I can get my hair done, but you cannot get your hair done. Duplicitous evil individuals that we have put in power in our government. They're everywhere. Some have a D after their name. Some even have an R, as we've learned. The parties are becoming less important as time goes by. We're finding out that the swamp takes care of itself. It's like two sides of the same coin. It's hard to trust. I mean, I, I am really, I, I don't put my trust, never have, in princes or the sons of men. The Bible warns, don't do it. And too many of you put all your stock and everything into a second term of Donald Trump. I think he's a great president, and none of his policies threaten the church or the family or your job. Now, you know, he may have his own personal issues and problems, but he wasn't a threat. What we have in the White House now is a true threat to the church and your life and your livelihood. It's hostile. And it's going to become increasingly hostile. Whether this is the great falling away or a falling away, 
whether this is the great tribulation coming or a time of terrible tribulation as we've seen across the world before if you lived in russia in 1917 all the way until the berlin wall fell and the soviet union fell apart for 70 years you would have thought that you were in the great tribulation in north korea people are coming to christ in spite of the evil government in charge the same is true in china people will risk their lives to become people of faith and the united states we've never had to make that decision we've had it so easy we don't understand the concept of social credit that they live through every day in china we've been spoiled rotten and we've taken our faith for granted if something else better comes along like you know the fish are biting how often do we forsake the church or our time of devotion or prayer because we have better things to do community is going to become very important and i'll be talking about it maybe tomorrow i'm just sorting out what we have seen and what god is going to have us do is something that i'm i'm looking at I'm praying deeply, and I'd ask you to pray with me as we try to go through these next couple of days. What I'm looking at may not work out, may not be where God wants me, but I'm beginning to think in those terms. Maybe that's what I need to be doing. We exist as a ministry on radio because you're faithful to help. I think shortwave is going to become increasingly important both in this country domestically and even some voices coming into the country from outside. I'm praying about that too. Would you pray with me? I want to thank those that have been sending, you know, I, I get I get people that are giving, you know, $10 here, $5, 50, some 100 or more. And over the month, it always seems to add up to be just enough to cover the airtime bill. And so any help we can give from the website, I appreciate it. Thank you. I don't pay myself. I do this because it's what God has called me to do. If you want to mail a check, make it to Ancient Word Radio. I'll tell you more about Ancient Word Radio maybe over the weekend. Ancient Word Radio, or truth to ponder, but make the check to Ancient Word Radio. The address is 21 Berkshire, B-E-R-K-S-H-I-R-E, 21 Berkshire Lane, and add number 263, that's our P.O. Box, 21 Berkshire Lane. And the lady needs that uh, 263, Sky Valley, Georgia. And the zip code is 30537. This has been Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. To find out more, visit our website, Truth, the number two, and the word ponder.com. That's Truth, the number two, ponder.com truth to ponder shining the light of truth in a darkening world